If you are a Muslim mom suffering with postpartum depression, then this video is for you. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Mentally Fit Muslims podcast. I'm your host, Sabah Malik. Welcome to episode 27, how Muslim moms overcome self-stigma and shame around postpartum depression. Once upon a time, there was a Muslim mom. She had a beautiful daughter and suffered with postpartum depression. Every day she wanted to end her life. One day she learned that if she committed suicide, she would go straight to hell. Because of that, she became obsessed with treating her mental health issues for the sake of Allah. And because of that, she realized that there were other Muslim mothers suffering with postpartum depression just like her. Until finally, she shared her mental health struggles with her sisters so they could all have a supportive community, not just for mothers suffering with postpartum depression, but all Muslims dealing with mental health challenges. So that's my story. Well, at least part of it, because I'm still working on the building the supportive community part, but this could very well be your story too. You are the writer, you have the pen in your hand, and you get to choose the narrative. If you what are- What was the issue in the story that I just told you? Why was the Muslim mom or me or you feeling depressed? How come she was contemplating suicide? She was just blessed with a new life, a new gift, and a manna from Allah, a trust from Allah, and now she wanted to end her own life? Does that make sense? Was the mother being ungrateful? Is she just weak for not being able to control these sad and depressed feelings? And worse still, which I even have a hard time voicing, is why would she have thoughts of harming her own child? Why would she even think that an innocent life who just came into this world would be responsible for her misery and her sadness and her pain. For what reason? It doesn't make any sense. Good. Now you know how mothers with postpartum depression feel. These feelings don't make sense. So stop trying to understand them. Instead, see them as a disorder, as a legitimate illness that can be diagnosed by a psychiatrist and treated in many different ways. So what's the issue with postpartum depression? Do you have mental health challenges because you're weak, because you're a bad mom, or are you even a bad mom just for thinking about ending your life? Do you feel guilty even just having those kind of thoughts? Well, the problem is not with moms with postpartum depression or Muslim moms with postpartum depression. The problem is one of ignorance. You are not the problem. Ignorance is. The problem is not you, my friend. The problem is ignorance. Sheer, old, plain ignorance. You just don't know. And once upon a time, I didn't know either. I had bipolar, but after giving birth, severe postpartum depression kicked in. And having a mood disorder made me more susceptible to depression during and after my pregnancy. 
I felt ashamed. I felt alone, weak, powerless, and I felt like ending my life. And you know what? I came very close to it also. Do I, do I feel shame sharing this with you? Initially, yes. Even though I knew there were so many other mothers suffering and they needed support, I still felt guilty just talking about it. I didn't want to open up and I didn't want to have these negative feelings in my life. And I especially couldn't understand why I would have these horrible feelings when my life was so positive. And if you want to check out more on toxic positivity, check out the episode I did with Dr. Farah Islam on toxic positivity. I couldn't tell anyone about the suicidal thoughts and the homicidal thoughts I was having. Why? I was afraid. I was afraid of what they could do to me. I was afraid of what would happen to my daughter. And not only that, I was just afraid of myself. You know, where where could I go? How could I get away from me? How could I get away from these suicidal thoughts when they were in my head? So ending my life made perfect sense, only because my bipolar brain was not functioning properly. So why must Muslim moms with postpartum depression stop shaming themselves to death? Once I understood I was not the problem, that I had a legitimate mental disorder, I felt a world of difference. I stopped blaming myself and I realized that knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, my sister. Knowledge is power, my brother. Knowledge is power, my friend. And awareness of your Lord and your creator is your savior. Knowing Allah and following the path that he set out for you will save you, inshallah. Even from the brain that is telling you to end your own life. The self-stigma and the self-shame surrounding mental illness and especially postpartum depression is a big, big barrier to health. You need to deal with that because if you don't, you can have the best doctors, you can have the right meds, you can have a therapist that you click with, a supportive family, but none of that will matter because you yourself have not accepted the bitter reality that you have X, Y, and Z. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. One of my favorite quotes that I still remember today. So taking care of your health for the sake of Allah, it takes the boring, difficult self-care work to a whole new level. You're not taking care of yourself to shut up the doctors. You're not doing it to make your family happy and get them off your back. Man, you're not even seeking the treatment for yourself because, well, you want to end your life. Come on, let's just be plain and simple and say what Muslim moms or people with depression are thinking but are too ashamed and feel too guilty to say you want to end your life. It's okay, you can say it. And writing out your most horrendous postpartum depressive thoughts actually weakens the hold that they have over you. It's okay, you can say it, you can write it out, you can read it out loud. Doing so will not bring about death. In fact, in fact, it's been my experience that when I write out the monstrous thoughts in my head that are just ravaging my brain, 
they don't have so much power anymore. And when I especially share them with a professional in a safe space, like a psychiatrist or a therapist or a social worker, I actually feel more safe. And if those professionals have to take some necessary precautions, like admit me to a psych ward or temporarily place my daughter under the care of a family member, I know it is good for me. I know it's for the better. Is, is it, it easy e to do that? No, of course not. Do I want to go to the psych ward? Hell no. Do I want my daughter to see her mommy be sick? Man, my heart just quivers saying that statement out loud. The mental illness itself, the postpartum depression, is not the major problem. You're not the problem either. Your lack of faith is not the problem either. Not even a minor, minute problem. The self-stigma and self-shame, that is the problem. And I didn't just make this up. This is not just my opinion. The reference for this is in my ebook, Divine Depression, which will be up soon, inshallah, on mentallyfitmuslims.org. And you can also refer to studies that have been published in the Muslim Mental Health Journal online. You see, for a long time, I went on this crusade against the world, particularly the Muslim world. And I realized that, yes, there's a lot of mental health stigma that exists in our community, but I realized that the biggest stigma, the biggest misconceptions were the ones that I had. And the worst part was that I didn't even know I was harboring these misunderstandings and false information. So even though intellectually I know suicide is haram, am I still plagued with suicidal thoughts? Unfortunately, yes. And you can watch and you can watch my previous video or listen to my previous podcast episode where I talk about a recent hospitalization that happened because of suicidal thoughts. Here's an ayah that can save Muslim moms with postpartum depression from suicide. When you want the full ayah, you can refer to the show notes for this episode on mentallyfitmuslims.org. Do not kill each other or yourselves. Very plain, very simple, very clear. And guess what? Very hard to follow for a Muslim who's in a depression episode and is having suicidal thoughts. Why is that? Because as long as that knowledge is just book knowledge and it's just intellectual, it will not affect you unless it goes into your heart and you actually experience it and you actually believe it. That ayah, do not kill yourselves, is what stops me from ending my life. I mean, there's so much more to it, but when it really comes down to it, the most I can, the most I can do is just keep my relationship with Allah as strong as I can so that I can stay away from suicide. And when I say that Allah stops me from ending my life, it's not an intellectual book type knowledge. It's actually experiential. There are countless times where I've been saved from the mouth of death through no effort of my own. I'm telling you, those experiences, they solidified my trust in Allah that he's got me. 
he's got me and that I just need to tie my camel and do my part by seeking treatment for my mental health issues. And believe it or not, writing these words and sharing them with you is actually part of my treatment. Because when you are in pain and you go and help someone else in pain, just watch how your suffering subsides. So what are the tools in your postpartum depression management kit? What can you add to it? Inshallah, I'll give you some tips at the end, but I want you to start thinking about that for yourself. Now, here comes the juiciest part of my postpartum depression post today. I know it's weird, like I'm getting excited about a depression post, but man, when I read this hadith, it just blew my mind away. First of all, it was titled, The Superiority of a Woman with Epilepsy. And I'll share why that title just baffled me. So the hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari. You can check out the show notes again for this episode for the exact reference. And it goes like this. Narrated Atab bin Abi Rabah, Ibn Abbas said to me, Shall I show you a woman of the people of paradise? I said, yes. He said, this black lady came to the Prophet and said, I get attacks of epilepsy and my body becomes uncovered. Please invoke Allah for me. The Prophet said to her, if you wish, be patient and you will have or enter paradise. And if you wish, I will invoke Allah for you to cure you. And if you wish, I will invoke Allah to cure you. She said, she said and here's the zinger, I will remain patient and added, but I become uncovered. So please invoke Allah for me that I may not become uncovered. So he, sallallahu alayhi wa invoked for her. Narrated a thought that he had seen Umm Zafar, the tall black lady at the Kaaba, holding the curtain of the Kaaba. Did you just hear that? Did you really get this hadith? I mean, did you let it sink in? Or here, let me emphasize one of the coolest part parts of it, or at least one of my most favorite. So this lady comes to the Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, and asks him to make a dua so that her epilepsy is cured. And we all know that Allah accepts the prayer of the Prophet However, he makes a counter offer to her. Rasulullah says, if you wish, be patient and you will enter paradise. And if you wish, I will invoke Allah to cure you. Now be really honest and ask yourself this. Don't come up with a nice sounding answer, something that just sounds good, but just without thinking, answer the question and notice what is your initial gut reaction and response. If a doctor said, here's a magic pill, take it and your depression will be cured. I'm not talking about treatment. I'm talking about a full cure, like you never feel down ever again. Would you take that pill? <laughs> Be honest. 
I mean, many of us already take medication hoping that our mental illness will be gone. But sadly, there is no actual cure for clinical depression yet. There's no drug or therapy that will make a mental illness with biological causes completely go away. And you know what? If you found one, if you found a treatment plan that makes you depression free for the rest of your life and you never feel any negative emotions, email me please at sabatsabamalik.com and share with me because I want to know. So back to our story. Would you ask the Prophet to make that dua or would you be patient and seek paradise? It's a tough question. And what do you think is the underlying theme or the enigma behind this choice that a woman of paradise was presented with? Well, we all know which option she chose because of the title, the woman of paradise given. But the bigger question is, why did she choose patience over a cure? Why? Why not end her suffering? Moreover, the suffering that she was complaining about wasn't even about the seizures that she would get from epilepsy, you know, like temporary confusion, staring spells, uncontrollable uncontrollable jerking movements of the arms and legs, or the psychic or the psychic symptoms such as fear, anxiety, or deja vu. She just didn't want to be uncovered. She was talking about the shame. She was talking about the self-stigma that comes with epilepsy and being uncovered. Now, that's just my reflection. I'm not qualified to interpret and comment on hadith. So I would encourage you to look that up for yourself. What I did do was look up what epilepsy does and what happens during a seizure. And and you can look for the reference for it in the show notes for this episode. But I know personally, I definitely would not want to be uncovered during a seizure either. And it's very similar to the uncovering that happens when you have a mental illness. Why is the story of the woman of paradise etched in my mind and heart? She chose delayed gratification. She chose to have patience now over her epilepsy, which is no small feat, and get Jannah later. How easy would it be for you to practice patience and have this delayed gratification? I mean, just think about the buy now, pay later society that we live in. This black lady of paradise is not very different from you and I when it comes to mental health, stigma, and shame. All she wanted was not to be uncovered. Putting her aside and her story, what could uncovered in our mental health issues and postpartum depression mean? The fear of people finding out that you have depression, the shame over having a manic episode in public, the self-imposed stigma that we are somehow less than normal people. And ironically, the title of the chapter where this hadith is found in Bukhari is called The Superiority of a Person with Epilepsy. The Superiority of a Person Suffering from Epilepsy. Wait, Superiority of a Person Suffering from a Disorder of the Brain? When I first read it, I was like, did I read that correctly? I don't know why 
the word superiority is used. That's for, That's the, hadith. for the hadith scholars to explain. What, what I, I want, want for you and I, moms suffering with postpartum depression, to adopt this superior attitude for ourselves, but not like in a narcissistic way. I want to extract some confidence from this hadith and know that we have value and we have worth. And that is so crucial because what does depression do to you? It crushes you. It crushes you so bad that you need this superiority check to help you realize that Allah loves you. He re Allah really loves you no matter what these suicidal thoughts tell you. So could this point of view, could this little shift in thinking not only lessen the stigma, but actually expel the shame we attach to our mental health issues? You know, I think it can. What do you think? I share my suicidal thoughts and attempts to show that there's no shame in it. I use my real name and my experiences to illustrate that there's nothing wrong with these symptoms. And actually, there's nothing wrong with me for having these symptoms. It's a legitimate disorder, and I do not take it as a personal failing. How about you? How do you view yourself for having these kind of depressive thoughts? Other people, other Muslims, your family, your friends will not stop stigmatizing you and mistreating you and having no misconceptions about your mental health issues until you stop doing that to yourself. Now, I'm not asking us to, you know, proudly wave the postpartum depression and tell the whole world that, you know, I'm suffering, but we don't have to hide in the closet about it either. Also, disclosing a mental health disorder is not for everyone. I get that. It is a very, very personal decision that you have to make for yourself. So how can you decide that for yourself? How will you judge your situation and do what's right for you? That's a very personal question and there's many factors that need to be taken into account before you can tell others that you are suffering from a mental health challenge. Ask yourself, is it safe for me to do so? Is there a safe environment? And is there someone I trust who can actually help me with my situation? However, there's one exception that I would give and give you as advice. If you're experiencing suicidal ideations and planning to commit suicide, I would definitely share with a professional or call 911. There is no shame in that. And having suicidal thoughts doesn't mean you are weak. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Choose that delayed gratification like the women of paradise. Put your pride and pain aside and seek help and know that Allah will reward you with paradise when you seek help for your suicidal thoughts. And not just know, but believe, really believe that he will protect you. He's, He's making you go through this test and trial. How will you use it to come closer to him? Now, let's say if you've done self-harm in the past or you're thinking about it or you're making plans of committing suicide, just think of the shame you will feel in front of Allah. Not the shame you feel from yourself or others. But think of how you will feel when you stand in front of your Lord. Does it matter what people think or does it matter what Allah thinks? 
Who is your ultimate source of comfort and cure? Chances are that if you're listening to this or watching this video or reading my words somewhere, you have insight. Alhamdulillah, you are in a decent place. Maybe you're not 100%, but you're not down in the dungeons either. You're sane enough to know that suicide is haram. You're healthy, you're healthy enough to start improving your relationship with Allah so that when you are hit with the next mental storm, you don't crash or you don't crash as bad as you did before. In conclusion, I leave you with some practical tools as always so that you can get through this. You walk away with something tangible that you can implement right away. These are tools that I use myself. So... I highly encourage you to put them in action. Here's my three tips to deal with the shame and self-stigma that Muslim moms with postpartum depression may feel. Number one, say, Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi. All glory belongs to Allah and all praise belongs to Allah. A long time ago, a teacher really explained this term to me and I've never forgotten it which is that when you say subhanallah every negative thing in this world any, any bad, bad thing you are taking it away from Allah you're not you're saying that it is not from Allah you're saying it's from yourself and the shaitan and when you say alhamdulillah you're taking every good thing every praise every thanks and you're attributing it back to Allah so I think that's just a, such a beautiful explanation of subhanallahi wa bihamdihi. So what this does is it erases your sins and it connects you to your Lord. Because you see, there are actual things that we do need to be ashamed of. Things that are displeasing to Allah, things that are sins. Or when we hurt someone, that kind of shame is actually good when it spurs you to go back, seek forgiveness, and correct your mistakes. But having shame for postpartum depression, that is not the healthy kind of shame. Trust Allah as the driver of your heart, because what happens during your mental health challenges? Your brain gives out. Does it function as normal? No. What do you do then? You know, if your brain, if you've always used your brain as a driver and it gives out, how are you going to function? That's where you use your heart to drive your physical body. Let your divinely guided heart help you during your mental health challenges. For that reason, it's crucial that you work on cleaning your heart through daily istighfar so that your soul is clean and, and trust trustworthy enough to guide you through the dark times. Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, whoever says subhanallahi wa bihamdihi 100 times a day will be forgiven all his sins even if, they're, even if they were as much as the foam of the sea. That's, That's in Sahih al-Bukhari. And you know, 100 times seems like a lot, but if you're waiting for the bus or you're in the, in the checkout line, it's very easy and quick to say that a hundred times. Number two, seek help in patience and prayer. Sign up for Yasmin Mujahid TV. I'll link it in the show notes again. And you can learn about this concept of seeking help in Salah 
and sabr in great detail. For now, just know that offering salah and having active patience is an awesome tool to add to your mental wellness kit. Salah is your lifeline. It's your oxygen. Use it. Yes, seek help from people who can actually help you. Yes, but know that they're only tools. Your ultimate help, your source of comfort, your source of treatment, your source of cure, it ultimately comes from Allah. So anytime you feel hurt or lost, pull out your prayer rug or simply raise your hands. Pour your heart out to your Lord. Having sabr and offering salah, it teaches you that shame is just a feeling like any other. And don't shame yourself for feeling ashamed about having a mental illness. That would be meta shame. Use Salah to realign yourself with your ultimate purpose. You squash the whispers of the shaitan by saying, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajim. You know, he wants you to despair. He wants you to feel guilty for having depressed and suicidal thoughts. Iblis wants you to feel ashamed for having these horrible thoughts of ending your own life. Now, does that mean that you throw your hands up in the air and you don't take care of your mental health? No, there's so many preventative measures that you can take to keep your brain healthy before it gets to that depressive point. And there are many resources out there on how to treat postpartum depression, how to take care of yourself. I don't need to rehash that. That's already there. This episode is about practicing active patience where you complain to Allah not about Allah. You turn to him for help and ask him for the necessary tools and ask him to guide you to the treatment that you need. Ya ayyuhalladina amanusta'inu bis sabri was salah. Inna allaha ma'as sabirin. That's in surah number two, ayah 153. My, la- my last tip is to recite surah fatiha a lot. And I have an easy way to do that when I can't sit down or just keep repeating it or keep repeating it over and over again. I listen to it and you can check out the show notes uh, for a link to a video of Surah Fatiha in there. The reciter repeats it over and over again, I think for like an hour. And that's what I love most about it. It will bring you peace and healing, inshallah. Even if you can't see any tangible results, just have the belief that Surah Fatiha is a cure. And why does it bring peace? Why does listening to Quran bring peace? Besides the divine guidance, think of it as a positive self-talk. Our minds are always going. Self-talk is always there. We can't shut up our brains. That's like asking your lungs, hey, stop breathing. Are they going to listen to you? No, because their function is to breathe. Just like that, your brain, its function is to think. So you can't just shut off your thoughts. Even when you're sleeping, your brain is still thinking. So instead of trying to turn your brain off, just replace it with something healthier. And the and reciting and reciting Surah Fatiha is perfect for that. Listen to the surah, recite it yourself over and over again. If a negative, if negative self-talk can tear a person down, just imagine what the beautiful words of Allah can do for a Muslim's mental health. I hope you benefited from this episode. When you did, please share it with a family friend. 
there's so many people, there's so, there's so many moms who are suffering with postpartum depression, and many of them don't actually either know about it or they're not, they're too ashamed to tell someone. So just share it. You never know what your one small share or a link could help someone in pain. Thank you for listening. Jazakallahu Hayran for giving me your precious time. And see you in my next episode. Assalamu alaikum.